0: welcome to my podcast what you're about to listen to is the pilot episode of the series when you start listening to it you'll notice that we recorded it a couple of months ago but i wanted to release it now for you to hear what i'm working on i really hope you enjoy listening to it as much as i've enjoyed working on it i'm so passionate about this podcast and i can't wait for you to hear the rest of the episodes very soon I was 15 years old, heading to Ottawa, Ontario, on a huge Greyhound bus filled mainly with middle-aged, fundamentalist Christians. I personally wasn't part of the church group, but my best friend was, and that's how I got invited. I was actually heading straight into a huge anti-abortion rally. On the anti-abortion side. This was my first protest. On that day, I had no idea what to expect. I had never been to a protest before, and I kind of felt like a fish out of water. You have to remember, I grew up in suburban Canada, a town where pretty much nothing ever happens. So I did think, ooh, this is cool, because it was cooler than staying at home and watching TV. I was more just excited for the experience rather than thinking about what we were fighting against. My mom is a rock and roll chick. And when I told her I was going to an anti-abortion rally, she was a little bit shocked because I was 15 years old and getting on a bus seven hours away. And when I told her which side I was going to be on, she kind of gave me this weird look like, you are? I could see in her face that she was shocked and a little disappointed. It wasn't until we got off the bus that it got really, real, really fast. Walking down the steps of the bus, I was immediately hit with screaming and so much chanting and so many people. I'd never been around that many people in my life, especially not people kind of verbally fighting one another abortion is one of those subjects that people feel so passionate about, rightly so. But I think the rage that I saw on the fundamentalist side, it was really surprising, especially because my friend's mom was there, and she's normally the nicest human ever, just baking cookies all the time, but she was really giving us an earful. But most shocking of all was the imagery on the signs. They were so graphic, They were real photos and they had fake blood on them. It was really a lot to take in. On the other side, I remember a huge group of people who had this gigantic rainbow flag. And I remember thinking, God, that side seems so much more fun. The protest went as planned. We stood in front of the parliament buildings. We held up our signs. We shouted and went home. Pretty quickly on that day of my first protest, I realized I was on the wrong side. I remember exactly what it felt like to be in the middle of something that didn't sit well with me. Worse than that, I was part of it, and I was really dreading the seven-hour bus ride back home with everyone. This involved hymns and Christian rock blaring over the stereo. I did feel incredibly guilty on the bus ride home. I remember my best friend and I sitting down and she was like, wasn't that amazing? And in that moment, I felt like, you know, we're not the same. And I really think that was a pivotal moment in my youth because I realized my friends, who we did everything together, I don't necessarily think like them. And I sort of made it my mission to Maybe think things through a little bit more before I got involved. Fast forward to 2017, and I'm standing in the middle of Trafalgar Square on one of the biggest worldwide marches in history, holding up a huge sign that says, Nasty Forever. This time around, as a 26-year-old at the Women's March, I knew in my gut that I was on the right side of the fence. God, my younger self would be so proud. I'm Estelle Lalonde, and on this show, I take a subject that matters and get to the heart of it. This episode, protest. So as far as protesting goes, I'm still, I feel like I'm kind of new to the protesting game. But I've always really respected people who do protest. I've never looked at protest as something that people necessarily want to have to do. You know, it's something that people feel the need to do. So protest to me is a very essential part of being a human.
1: My name is Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd is and here! I am a feminist.
0: One person who I thought could shed a light on protest in 2017 is Nina Mariah Donovan. Nina's 19. She's a student who works at Dunkin' Donuts in Tennessee. You may be thinking, so what? Well, Nina is behind one of the most famous poems of this year, which became a rallying cry for women everywhere. I am a nasty woman. Nasty woman. An insult that Donald Trump threw at Hillary Clinton during the presidential debates became a symbol of women taking power back. After my guest, Nina Mariah Donovan wrote a poem which Ashley Judd helped go viral. Hello. Hi, Nina. It's a stakeholder. Hi, how are you? I'm amazing. How are you? Great. I'm here with my little doggy right here. I love dogs. (laughs) (laughs) When Nina picked up the phone, I wasn't really sure what to expect. But I got this lighthearted teenager sat with her dog in a room that looked a lot like my room when I was a teenager. I mean, I watched your video online of you performing, and it's incredible. And I, in preparation for talking to you, I tried to write a poem and perform it to my boyfriend. That's
1: awesome. I would love to hear it whenever. Maybe not now. (laughs) Or we could do it
0: now. I'm totally down. That's awesome. (laughs) Listen, this is what I'm going to tell you. I couldn't do it. I couldn't even, like, get the courage to let my mind loosen up enough to write something.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's the hardest part. Like, honestly, even I'm having that trouble now. Like, I've had the worst writer's block. I have this piece I've been working on forever, and I still can't finish it. Like, this thing is, like, sometimes you literally just have to, like, write just to write. And it can turn into a poem later, mm. you know?
0: So that's, like, always the hardest part of writing. I have to give it a better shot, I think, and just stop yes. caring about what it's going to sound exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nina was watching the presidential debates when she heard this. My... Social Security
1: payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to
0: get out of it. Uh, but what we want to do is to replenish the Social Such Security nasty Trust woman. Fund. By- the original inspiration for Nasty Woman. That was the same debate
1: where he also said bad hombres, I'm pretty sure. So at first I was like, is this a joke? Because it wasn't just like some, oh, some casual interview. Like this was a national presidential debate. Like, the just really come out of his mouth. And the thing is, like, the only reason he called her a nasty woman is because she made some snarky remark. But he had been doing that the entire debate. And so that's what made me really want to be like, oh, my God, that's my next poem. Because that's another thing that's so normalized. You know, a man can be totally bossy and do whatever he wants to a woman, but the second a woman wants to take charge, she's seen as like some bitch or she's too bossy. And so that's why I chose to reclaim it because men can get away with doing all of this stuff, but when the tables are turned, now, oh, we're the bitches. We need to calm down being so sensitive,
0: you know? Um, what's your favorite line from the Nasty Woman poem?
1: Ooh, I guess, our walls are stronger than America's ever will be. I don't know. I feel like when I wrote that line, that's when the whole piece finally came together. Mm. I like it's such a simple line, but I feel like it just represents a lot of like, you know, our woman power and our womanhood are more important than, you know, racism or, you know, whatever hatred that Donald Trump used to get elected. Yeah, totally. Um,
0: so you, you wrote the poem, you performed the poem, and Ashley Judd just happened to be in the audience. Can you explain this to me? Are you like a personal friend I- of hers? I- yeah we're like
1: friends like we became friends after the fact but yeah i still don't know how she found out about the show but yeah so she like pulled a few of us aside afterwards and you know thanked us for the refusing our voices praised us for the pieces and then like out of nowhere she just turns to me and she's like so your piece is going to go up at the Women's march in dc i was like what's going on what, what's happening right now at <laughs> first i thought honestly i thought she was just like being nice you know she was just making oh some promise just to be nice to me But still, I honestly, like, it's just hard to absorb everything that's happened. You know, and the fact that it actually caught on and
0: people understood the message I was trying to get across. It's insane. And when you wrote it, did you think it would go viral? Did you hope it would go viral or you were just trying to get something off your chest?
1: I mean, it was a lot of just me saying, okay, I need a new piece for this event. And I want to do this nasty woman piece. Because originally I was like, oh, I'm going to make this a really funny piece. Like, just going to be me reclaiming the term. But it obviously got super serious super quick because like these aren't, you know, funny issues that I was talking about. I mean, I always try to like incorporate some humor in my pieces. So I'm really not some like angry, bitter, super political person. You know, I'm goofy, but woke basically. (laughs) That should be your new Twitter bio. I should, (laughs) but yeah, I think humor, it definitely is necessary because, you know, I can't just stay bitter and angry all the time. When Ashley was performing it, where were you? Did you
0: see it live when it happened?
1: yeah, that was the weirdest part to me was like, I was watching her perform at the DC March as I was on my way to the Nashville March.
0: Yeah, I'm a nasty woman.
1: A loud, vulgar, proud woman. I'm not nasty. Like the combo of Trump and Pence being served up to me in my voting booth, I'm nasty. Like the battles my grandmothers fought to get me into that voting booth, I'm nasty. Sometimes it still doesn't feel real. Um, I feel like in some like alternate universe or like a dream or something. <laughs> it was crazy, though.
0: So I was also at a women's march. I was at the march here in London. I came home feeling super inspired and really enjoyed being a part of it. However, a post I made of me holding a sign saying nasty forever gained a lot of attention. Some positive and some very negative. Why? What are people so angry about? It's a picture of me standing in the middle of Trafalgar Square in the protest. I'm holding up my sign and I'm wearing my really kick-ass faux snakeskin boots. It's probably one of the most commented on posts I have ever done. Slay me, you nasty woman. (laughs) I love The U.S. isn't your country and he's not your president, I rule. Someone said, sure, this march is for all women, if you're not a conservative woman who is pro-life. I mean, it was a very liberal march. Wish everything didn't have to be so political. This makes me like you less. Can someone explain the meaning of the sign she's holding? Count me in. I'm nasty too. (laughs) My mom commented back on quite a few of these. Get over yourself. What exactly is this accomplishing? Protests are lame and only provide a temporary feel-good moment and a photo opportunity. Having experienced the backlash myself, I wanted to ask Nina about her experiences because at the end of the day, it was her words at the root of it all. Have you had mostly positive comments about your poem or is, are you getting negative stuff like I was? Um, I mean, I've definitely gotten backlash, but I've definitely gotten a
1: lot more love for it than hate. So like, that's what I've learned to focus on, you know, is the fact that there are people who did understand what I was trying to say. All of the negative things I've gotten back, it's just a lot of ignorance. Even there are people calling me racist and stuff because they said he looks like he bathes and cheetoed us or whatever. Yeah. And they decided that was racist. But the thing is, like, they were saying, oh, if we said Obama looked like he... World around Tootsie Rolls, you liberal snowflakes will lose your minds. But the thing is, that's actually racist. You know, yeah. making fun of a black person for their skin color is racism. I'm making fun of his fake tan. Yeah. You know, there's no he's not naturally orange. So I don't <laughs> it's just stuff like that though. It's like the hate that I got for it was just a lot of ignorance. So it was just hard for me to actually take it seriously, you
0: know? Yeah. I mean a really ignorant comment that I got a lot on that post is why would you wanna be Known as a nasty woman or a nasty person. Oh my god! Person.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. This thing is like people don't understand what it means to reclaim a word or a phrase like that. You know, it's like reclaiming a bitch. You know, because the reason sometimes you know women get called bitches because oh they're too bossy. So it's like kind of the same idea of like yeah I am gonna be a nasty woman. I am gonna. It means you know to fight back and fight against things that I see as injustices.
0: I wanted to know why Nina was so politically engaged. I remember when I was 19, I was moving across the world for love, to be with my boyfriend. I wasn't thinking about politics. Like, why are you so into it now at such a young age? Are your parents political at all? Yeah, they are pretty political.
1: They they definitely stay educated and, like, always encourage me to stay educated Especially since this was my first election, because I don't know, it's just women fought way too hard for me to just blindly vote for somebody. And like, I could have voted for the wrong person if I hadn't educated myself. So if I was going to, you know, discuss why I voted a certain way, I couldn't just say, oh, well, because I don't know, I was raised Democrat or liberal or whatever. I feel like saying, oh, I voted for this person because I'm in this party. It's just an excuse to be a lazy voter. Wow, that's a
0: pretty crazy election to be your first election.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Kind of disappointing, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you think there's any silver lining to Trump being
1: elected? The only silver lining is people can no longer, I mean, I guess they can, but still deny that sexism exists. You know, after someone like this gets elected, you know, someone who degrades women and has been accused by, I think I read now it's like at least 15 women, of sexually assaulting them. You know, this man can be elected into office and it shows you how much we normalize all of it. In the 60s, obviously, you know, there's the civil rights movement, the hippies were fighting back, stuff like that. You know, my grandparents were total, well, still are, you know, total hippies. It would protest and stuff. But I feel like my parents' generation, they were the silent ones. Like, I don't remember learning about any big marches that went on. So I feel like that courage and like that political awareness kind of skipped a generation. And now my generation, we're kind of having to, like, I I guess maybe clean up all that mess. You know, we're the ones now in the streets, you know, fighting not only for women's rights, obviously, but for ethnic inequalities or sexuality and gender issues. Um, Yeah. So
0: when you talk about being political and standing up, do you consider your poetry a form of protesting?
1: Yeah, I think art in general is like the most impactful form of protest, you know, because especially music, is what makes things so mainstream. That's why I get really mad when, like, I see these artists who are just selfish with their fame or their celebrity status. They just care about their own music and their own money and they
0: don't really give a clear place of where do they stand. What would you say to those people who maybe don't take a stand or it's not on-brand for them to take a stand? I think they're definitely being selfish. I mean, especially people like Taylor Swift, I mean, she's gotten a lot of
1: slack because I'm pretty sure she like waited until the day of or maybe the day after the march to finally be like, oh, you should fight for this, blah, 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 when she could have been talking the whole election. You know, instead, she was just promoting her own music, promoting herself. Um, And I think it's really selfish and it just shows her privilege. You know, the fact that there are people who can sit down and say, oh, I don't have to fight because this doesn't affect me. You know, for you to be able to say, oh, I'm not going to fight for gay people because I'm not gay. Like, that makes no sense to me. I hate that it's become like some doggy dog world where I'm just supposed to sit silent about issues because they shouldn't affect me.
0: Nowadays, everyone is trying to get in on protest. And although I feel it's great that people are using their right to free speech, I also feel when big corporations and some celebrities get involved for the wrong reasons it lessens the fight. This brings me to the Pepsi ad. Now, while Kendall Jenner looks really pretty giving a police officer a can of pop, that's not the way things go down in the real world. Yes, some protests are peaceful where it's almost a spiritual experience getting to know everyone around you, but some can be violent. Some can be terrifying. What would the activists of the 60s think to our online forms of protest? There are so many ways in which we can and have protested in the past. And even today, people across the world are risking so much more than just the ugly responses of a few trolls. They're risking their jobs, their homes, and even their lives in order to take a stand. We should not forget that protest is a mental and physical struggle for those who fight. Do you think protesting does something? Do you think getting out there actually creates change?
1: Yeah, I think it does. Um, Especially, like I said, now with social media, it's, you really just have to not want to get involved to not be involved, you know, because I mean, it's everywhere now. People are on Facebook with it, Instagram, even Snapchat. Um, But yeah, I think it does raise awareness and, you know, it makes the fight mainstream. Um, So I definitely do believe in the power of words and of protest and art.
0: And do you think retweeting something on Twitter or posting something on Facebook, is that a form of protest? Does it count for as much as actually getting out there? What do you think? Is there multiple different types of protesting? Yeah.
1: I'm always, like, really conflicted with that. Because, I mean, I hate that there are like, you know, Twitter activists. Like, all they do is just sit around and retweet, but they won't, you know, volunteer anywhere or go march or really make ideas of their own, you know? At the same time, they're also— spreading the word about issues. You know, I mean, even this poem wouldn't have caught on if it weren't for social media. You know, that's how things get spread now. So it's really hard to just be like, oh, whooping a Twitter activist, like do something. In a way they are, but I just wish they were, I don't know, I guess maybe doing as much as other people are because we need to work in numbers and in bodies, not just in likes and retweets.
0: Yeah, I I think I agree with you because going to that march and seeing other people face to face, it makes it real. I mean, yes, you can retweet and obviously, you know, social media is huge, but I think there's something to be said about being in the real world and seeing real humans.
1: Yes, exactly. Definitely. And
0: I just got this frantic text from my mom, breaking news, that they are trying to pass a bill in America in certain states that will put you in jail or fine you if you don't listen to the police when they tell you to stop protesting.
1: What? Well, I don't understand, honestly, at least in America, like how they could pass them like that, because we literally, it says in our constitution... Right to protest, right to freedom of speech, you know what I'm saying? Like, as long as it's not violent, we have that right. Um, So honestly, I don't know how they're getting away with that. And I think it's just garbage. And I think it's, I feel like the government's totally realizing that, you know, my generation, like I said, we're bouncing back from the ideals of like the 60s, where we're sort of becoming, in a way, anti-government because we're not just, you know, crossing our hands or whatever and just putting up with their control or you know, them spying on us or trying to manipulate us. We're definitely, they like said woke is a new thing. Um and we're not scared to fight back anymore. You know, I'm sick of letting things become normalized and I don't think I should be put Amen. in jail for that. Amen.
0: So, do you think People need to be scared to protest. Do You think it's important that they still get out there. How can we protest in 2017?
1: All the protests and rallies that I've been to, not just the Women's March, but also like Black Lives Matter movements, like they're not all, you know, as violent or vulgar as the media like to portray it sometimes. It's just so heartwarming and inspiring to see all these people come together. It's a lot of security that comes with, you know, knowing There's a mass amount of people who believe in some of the same things that you do. And the fact that they want to get up and fight against these injustices just like you do. Yeah. There's just so much unity and like everyone was just so nice. I don't know. It was just very powerful, but peaceful protests. Mm. And like, I feel like that's one of the misconstrued things is like, just because, you know, have all this power behind you doesn't mean you still can't be peaceful with it.
0: More than 3.3 million Americans attended the Women's March in over 500 U.S. cities. There were 168 marches in 81 other countries on all seven continents, including Antarctica. Not one arrest was made in comparison to over 200 people arrested on Inauguration Day.
1: Marching. Yeah, we were yelling and marching in the streets, but we weren't rioting, looting anything, or, you know, hurting anybody. We were just using our words to state what we believe in. Mm.
0: And on a totally unrelated note, I hear you work at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yes,
1: and that's all I am to some
0: people, is just a Dunkin' Donuts worker with a poem, so. <laughs> But I heard that people have been calling to try to get oh, you fired, God. or what's yeah. the deal with this? Is that true? It's totally
1: true. Like, I didn't think it was real at first until my coworker texted me. who was like, yeah, people have been calling for you. And I was like, oh, maybe it's like because I was getting a lot of like interview requests. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, that's how they figure they can reach out to me. But then I talked to him. I was like, oh, what are they saying? And he told me they were asking for nasty Nina. And they were like, oh, does Duncan agree with this? Like, she should be fired, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of funny, though, because it was predominantly, it sounded like old white people basically calling up Dunkin' Donuts to, like, harass my managers and try to get me fired. Like, wow. it's crazy to me. And then how, like, I can't use my freedom of speech and say what I want and, you know, criticize the president. But Donald Trump can say all these disgusting things about, you know, Hispanics and black people and women and still be elected president, you know, still keep his job. That was what was really, like, crazy and, like, really hypocritical to me, you know? Whoa. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. What What was your boss saying? Do they Do they care? Are they pro what you're doing? One of my managers actually even sat me down. And we talked about it. He said, "You know, I don't agree with everything you said, but he's like just really proud that I'm actually standing up for what I believe in." I don't know. I'm still obviously working there. Um, And I don't think they're really afraid of, like, their business getting slashed or anything. I mean, people are still going to buy donuts, you know? Yeah, they are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does it feel really weird to go from, like, normal 19-year-old girl to someone who's, like, you know, getting asked for interviews and all? Like, does that—what does that feel like? It's weird. I mean, like, people ask me that a lot, but, like, I still definitely
1: feel like that normal 19-year-old girl. But, yeah, it definitely was weird, the fact that, like, especially people— Like, just even cared about my poetry at all. You know, I mean, even going into doing this piece and writing this piece, I was worried about it, actually. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, it definitely paid off. Yeah. I'm just, I'm still, like I said, I'm still trying to
0: absorb it all. You know, even months later, it's just still, it's crazy to me. It could take a lifetime. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So what kind of stuff are you writing about now? Is it a similar subject matter to the nasty poem? Or what are you working on? thing is, I'm not like traditionally
1: some political writer, you know? So, I mean, I'm still trying to like keep the topics broad. But there's so much happening that it honestly, it's kind of hard for me not to be a political writer now. You know, there's just, I feel like there's too much to talk about and there's too many things that we've normalized for so long. Um, I mean, I'm working on this piece now about how, like, basically people use their religion and, like, the Bible as an excuse to be homophobic. You know, so it's stuff like that where, like, we normalize sexism and homophobia because of things that we see in the Bible or read in the Bible or whatever. You know, it's just an excuse to be hateful, basically.
0: I don't know if you have anything handy, but is there a few lines you can share? We need an exclusive. I'll just share, like, the very first few lines of it.
1: Yeah, okay. To the people who use a crucifix to back up their picket signs. Your words feel like demons wedged in between Bible verses. Your words sound like off-key hymns broken pews and they're tainting my holy water the only communion you offer taste like bullet points of why you think hell is the only place this pride belongs but what god are you hating for because mine is synonymous with love don't call yourself a child of the lord unless you live by the same unconditional love uh yeah that's basically the whole
0: I'm clapping it, over I here. I don't know if you can hear it. Thank
1: you. We're all Thank clapping. You so
0: much. <laughs> wow, Thank you. is that hard for you to just on the spot perform something like that? Because that would take me like oh. hours of working up to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes
1: like, luckily, I actually had like the first few lines of it sort of like for the most part memorized. Whoa! I definitely have a bad case of like poetry voice. I've been told, or like, I get into this new persona when I perform. Is that a bad thing? I mean, maybe it's not a bad thing. Like. People kind of sometimes see on stage identities as like this mask in a way. But it's like, honestly, not something I can help. Like I said, it's just some persona I get into. It's that like Sasha Fierce, Alana Wexler or Glazer sort of thing, Mm. you know. So I don't want people to think that my poetry is just some act or, you know, something I don't actually believe in. Like I do believe in every single word I say,
0: you know. Okay, the last question is, where do you see the future of protesting going? Do you see it mostly online? Do you see people getting out there more? Do you think there is this sort of hunger for human interaction and getting out there? What What do you think the future looks like?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's going to be, not that it's going to be less, you know, Twitter or Facebook activism, like that's obviously still going to exist and still should exist. But I feel like just sitting behind your computer talking about things has been so criticized that it's going to encourage more people to actually get out there and actually do something about it, you know? And I feel like art, like I said, definitely is one of, if not the most powerful forms of protest. You know, artists like Kendrick Lamar and Beyonce who incorporate, you know, even spoken word and, you know, very political topics into their art. I feel like that's really what makes the change, you know? And I feel like that's, the future, more of like creative ways, yeah. to, you know, state what we believe in and, you know, fight against injustices. It's always going to be the future. You know, art always is ahead of its time and it's always the future. Amazing. You <laughs>
0: are blowing people away. I hope you carry on with what you're doing. It's honestly so fucking cool. Uh, and it's, it's, it's doing something, you know. <laughs> so I wish you nothing but amazingness and I'm going to stay up to date with you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you I so it. Thank much. You. Bye. Okay. Bye. So I just finished talking to Nina and I don't know what I was expecting, but I I wasn't expecting that. She is such a 19-year-old, but at the same time, so not a 19-year-old. She's so well-versed in today's current political situation. And if she is an indication of what the youth of today are going to be doing, we are in great hands because it's it's really exciting. I don't know if I have the guts to try my own poetry. I was so like I could completely shocked that she could just get right into it right off the bat. We didn't prep her for that. So it was pretty amazing to see that. I think you really have to be able to lose yourself to do things like that. I need a new hobby. I just don't know if poetry is that hobby for me, but I will be a big fan of hers watching her all the time. There is no way I'm sending her any verses to proofread. How embarrassing. No. Mine would be like, there is a frog on a log and there's a dog. (laughs) It's a nasty frog. I don't know if my opinion on protest has changed since speaking to Nina, but it's definitely made me more excited for the future, and it's made me really excited to see what's possible. I think art, music, poetry are definitely the right medium for a protest. I mean, when I listen to her perform one of her poems, my entire body gets shivers every time I hear it. That does something to you. You're actually feeling something that somebody else thinks. Also, to a lot of people, politics can be boring and dull, so to incorporate it into something more creative and potentially more interesting is a great way to make people understand. Social media is such a great avenue to get your voice heard, but I think we will see a shift in people wanting to get out there in the real world, reconnect with other humans, and do things that will really, really affect change. And I think the more people who get together, the better it will be. Protest is absolutely worth the backlash. It's all about creating a discussion, having an open dialogue, trying to learn from other people. If you're someone who's never taken part in a protest and don't even know where to begin, start with a conversation, talk to some friends, figure out where you stand on a particular subject. You don't need to have a PhD in the subject of your protest. You can be an activist for anything if it's important to you. You don't need to have all of the answers, but it is important to get involved. Look at my first protest. I woke up in the morning having one opinion, and I went to bed with a completely different one.
1: Few will have the greatness to bend history. But each of us can work to change a small portion of the event, and then the total, all of these acts will be written in the
0: history of this generation. This episode of The Heart of It was brought to you by the team at Radio Wolfgang, with me, Estée Lalonde. It featured poet Nina Mariah Donovan, whose EP, What a Time to Be Nasty, is out now. It was executive produced by Harry Watson. The producers were Ivor Manley and Natalia Rodriguez, and the assistant producer was El Scott.